When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Open the Voice Gate. Um, this is John here, and we have Jules as usual, and then we also have a special guest, Mr. Michael Spears from Inside the Gate. Hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going, guys? So Case is not with us this week. If anybody was tuning in to hear Case, I regretfully inform you he couldn't make it. I think he's something with his cousin, right, Jules, or something? Brother. I don't Brother? Okay. I knew it was some family member. Um, so we have Michael here as a very able fill-in. Um, he's, did, has, there has been inside the gate in a while, right? Yeah, uh, the short and quick of it is that my, uh, life outside of wrestling has gotten super busy right as my technology broke. So if I sound really bad, guys, I apologize. I'm doing this through a headset and not my usual microphone. But it's okay. You can't you can't sound any worse than we apparently sounded in the last episode, <laughs> which is apparent one of the reasons why we're doing this episode is to make up for it. Um, 
So, I, first of all, I want to apologize for the last episode and the audio problems you apparently had. I got a new laptop, and somehow I screwed up my audio level, and I didn't even think to test it because I'm an idiot. But apparently I sounded way quieter than everybody else last week. Hopefully that's not the case this time. I tested it beforehand. We did a little test run, and I sounded exactly – I sounded pretty similar to everybody else. So if I sound quiet again, I don't know what to tell everybody. At the same time that happened, there was also some kind of, like, issue that affected the entire network where, like, it, some Android people were having problems. So, like, basically everything went wrong last time. So this episode is our way of saying sorry. We're doing another episode much sooner than we usually do. And we have a great special guest here. So let's talk about the new Kurrican. It'll probably be a little shorter than our normal episode because we only have one show to talk about. But it was a very newsworthy show, so who knows? Maybe we'll go three hours again. <laughs> um, the October 12th, Kurrican Hall. Uh, anybody have any macro thoughts on the show? What, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like this show is a good example of how Dragon Gate is kind of getting things rolling again after a very shaky tag league. Um, I feel like their fall... Has been pretty, has been pretty fun again. Um, they've been, they've had a lot of storyline developments. The matches have been good. I really have nothing to complain about with the fall. What do you guys think? Well, I thought that it was a really fun show. The one thing that I kind of noticed as I was rewatching it and taking some notes was it seemed like that because of the uh, format of the show and especially being so heavy towards the main event, that it was kind of light on talent-wise, like, on the amount of people on the show, not on the quality. I thought it was really good. But, like, I was, like, noticing, and it was, I mean, Punch has disappeared again. I think after he got his head shaved, he's back doing sound mixing duties, I guess. And Naoki, of course, is off into Dove Wonderland. And it it just seems like that they're they're running a little bit of a tighter ship, uh, Talent-wise, which is okay because we got what I thought was a really fun match with the new youngins. So I mean, I guess it, you you take the good of the bad in that case. One thing I thought was a little bit sad is that that was Stalker Chitawa's birthday, and he wasn't even on the card. Oh, poor Stalker! That's so that's so sad. Like what the fuck? Look, any day where Stalker doesn't lose a divorce match is a good day for Stalker. <laughs> Uh, he's had much worse days. He didn't lose his name. He didn't lose his, I guess, ability to get divorced. Although they did not adhere to that stipulation. Because you remember this, right, Mike? Remember when he he lost the divorce match and he thought it meant he would have to divorce his wife, but it turned out it meant he could never get divorced. And they did divorce, and then they divorced. Right? I did, yeah, yeah. And that's, I, I think her name was Namiko, too, because he named it, like, his version the 619 after her, and there was, like, that whole thing when they started the Awari Gate where, like, she pleaded with people to let him win matches because she pitied him. And I think that was after the divorce, too. I, I, I just hope that since Stalker had a day off, I just hope that he had like a nice birthday. I kind of wonder what what a dude like Stalker does on his birthday if he's not getting the crap beat out of him by Don Fuji. So maybe he was just having a nice quiet day. Maybe he ran. Maybe he was helping out with merch in the back. Maybe he was avoiding Shima so he wasn't bullying him. You know. I, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, I, life is life comes at you fast when you're soccer, Chikawa, I'm sure. Um, so before we really dig into the show, we usually do some off-topic discussion. I don't know what we could off-topically discuss. Michael and I recently went through a 
baseball series together where our teams played each other. It was and it didn't go it was well painful. for Mike. Uh, it was uh, John <laughs> is a uh, Blue Jays fan, and I'm a Texas Rangers fan. I'm actually a former Texas Rangers employee. Weirdly enough. Uh, oh, wow. I had an internship I back when I thought I was going to be a radio broadcaster, and we saw how that all turned out. As I'm re- as I'm now back in grad school, uh, so yeah, that series uh, y'all deserve to win. Every, like every single game, I was like, "Yep, Rangers are playing like crap." When your p- star pitching does horrible, then bad things happen, and especially it's okay though because the Jays are getting destroyed by the Indians. So. <sighs> I, I I just can't abide by the Indians. <laughs> I, the the logo, I can't abide. I I hate them so much. I hate, like, it's going to sound like complaining for me because obviously they're beating my favorite team, but just having to look at that fucking racist logo on the, the pitcher's sleeve, and, like, they zoom in on the pitcher, and the pitcher has his, like, his part of the arm with the, the fucking racist Indian head on it facing the camera, and, like, you have to stare at that thing every every time the pitcher's winding up. I'm like, I'm so tired of looking at this fucking smiling red Indian. It makes me sick. How the fuck can they still have that on their fucking sleeve? And, and the thing that, that's also insane about it is that uh, for people who aren't baseball people or American with this, they have, like, this red-faced Indian as a logo, Chief Wahoo, and it used to be on their hats, and they replaced it with a really sharp, like, just stitched on C. And it's like, why not use that? Like, everyone likes that logo. Like, the only thing you're doing but with having Chief Wahoo on it is just pissing people off and being offensive. Just do the deal, take... Take off the logo and we move on with life. It's just, yeah. Yeah, and then like the same thing with the Redskins thing. It's not like it can't. You're, you're going to ban people yeah. from wearing it to the crowd. You know, like if people want to be racist, I guess let them be racist in the crowd. But like, why the fuck do you have to put it on your fucking players that we yeah. have to stare at the entire game? You know, like in the year 2016, we still have to fucking <laughs> stare at it all game. I, I don't know. Like I really. If the Indians win the series, I might not watch the World Series just because I don't want to see their fucking racist logo anymore. So, so, so um, baseball thoughts right there. Yeah. <laughs> baseball thoughts. Jules I, is like, what know. is it? What is I this? I just like, I mean, <laughs> when I look at America, how it is right now ahead of the election, I'm just like, I'm not surprised that a team still has a racist logo. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. Multiple, multiple teams. teams, wow. But then again, I'm, I, like, I can't really talk yeah. shit in America when today in Paris there was an anti-gay protest. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the reason why I kind right of refrain from like being like, ha-ha, America, because that fucking bitch is like rising in the polls. And my generation is one of the gen- one of the age groups that's voting for her the most, which is absolutely terrifying. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, see, we don't, we don't, yeah, we don't have that in like in this in this country. Like our the young people are totally against Trump. Like he is totally being propped up by old people. If you break it down by demographics, I think eighteen to twenty nine. He's mm-hmm. there's polls where he's in fourth place, where he's behind Hillary. And, Gary, and, like, two third-party candidates who are getting, like, you know, less than 10% of the vote overall, but they're both beating I, I Trump mean, among I mean, Trump is, so. has potential to... I live in South Carolina, for people who don't know, and South Carolina, very conservative, genteel. I mean, Bob Jones University, which is one of the most religious schools in the, uh, in the world, actually, is less than a mile away from me. And he might lose South Carolina. Like, it, like when you really get, like, that kind of elect- yeah. electorate... Acting up, I mean, when when South Carolina is like, ooh, we don't know about you, and you're Republican, that means something's wrong. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope it's a landslide. He des- if anyone ever deserved to lose by a landslide, it's him. But there was another, I mean, there were, there, the polls have been mixed because there were two polls that came out today. One had him only down four points in a four point in a four way race, which is kind of horrifying that he only be down four points nationally. Hey, and the other one yeah. had him down eleven points. So I, I hope I hope it's the eleven point one. Yeah. That's more accurate, not the four point one. Um, <laughs> As everyone uh, so probably talk, just turned off right now. Sorry, guys, American. that's my fault. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's enough there's enough places to hear about this fucking election. I mean, it's yeah. fucking terrible. So, and so, so, so let's talk some election. some Dragon Gate but, now. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, no, wait, the, la- the last thing I want to say about Trump, by the way, he tweeted this morning about being mad at SNL, which is amazing to me. SNL is made fun of every politician on the planet, and no one ever said anything except for him. His leather skin is very thin. Just want to point that out. Yeah. He, he, it, it, I know. Like, he really can't, yeah. he and can't a, handle SNL making fun of him, apparently. SNL, like, anyway. a few months okay. back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did host yeah. SNL last year, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. yeah. Now now he thinks the show should fold, oh my apparently. God. Because he doesn't uh, like Alec Baldwin's impression. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, politics. Oh my God, my boss always wants to talk politics with me when we, whenever we have like a little down period at work, and I'm just like, nope, 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 like moonwalking out of the conversation. Just moonwalk back, moonwalk back. Yeah, I, I can't do it. Like I would rather stick my head in the bucket of cheese. You know, what we should discuss. We should discuss something. Positive, which is the fact that yeah. all three of us. Indeed, and I'm going to drag you all to a secret here. base show if it's possible. I want to do the. In- you don't have to drag anyone. Uh, you don't. You don't have. To, hey guys, have to drag let's go to see the sleaziest of the dragon system. <laughs> I want to go to secret. Um. Uh. Yeah. Phil and I are going to do yes. that. Um. Is he the Because Phil and I are are getting our stripper money ready. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. Go say. Yo. Hey. Here you go. I'm. You deserve this. We know about Shingo. <laughs> you know, this is actually very close to what I would say if I knew how to speak Japanese. But I'm my 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 study of Japanese is entirely so I can talk to Shingo Takagi if we see him on the street again. I just want to be able to communicate with him because we saw him. We saw him on. We ran into him on the street during the Alan the Alan Farrell trip this year and. Shingo was very disturbed by us. Like he thought we were like foreign tourists asking for foreign directions, tourists. and then it turned I mean, out we were actually like. Yeah. Hasn't Alan like met him several yeah, times? Like I'd wonder if he, he he'd be like, oh, this guy, okay. And in the Shingo yeah. way of just being completely inconvenienced by everyone that's not jacked mm-hmm. and be, and being a bully. So. I just. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> The, the sad thing is that next year there will be no possibility of hanging out with Tozawa at a TGI Fridays like we did on the, on the Allen trip. My yeah. broken little heart can't take it. <laughs> I, 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 ah! Yeah. But look, you see how you see how well WWE is using the Japanese talent they have, having having Kenta get dropped on his neck by some fucking green asshole in front of seventy fans in Largo. I, I, I just maybe I'm just fan shipping. I'm just hoping that somehow he's just able to go live in the house with with Uha and Ricochet, and they get to have shenanigans, and he's happy. That, that that's what I've come to. That that's my love. That's my level of being resigned to what yeah. might happen. 
I'm like going. You're like slowly going through the fa- the five stages. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I I I basically come to the conclusion that I will never see Tazawa wrestle again because I don't watch Raw. So I I, I the mean, the only way I'll the, see the bad thing for me is I usually. I don't know why I still do this. It's probably because I'm a crazy person and I hate myself. But I I keep Raw on Monday nights because I'm usually doing homework and because it's just droning and bad enough that I don't pay attention and it's not good enough for me to go like, oh, that was good, and it's not bad enough for me to get angry. Like it, I, I have like complete like Ottaway about Raw, so that he might actually hurt my homework habits. Like that's my concern. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if someone I could get someone to like oh, give me an alert, like Tozawa's on so TV, turn it on. It, it should be and like not really to go back onto baseball too much. I like when Yoenis Cespedes came up, and there was the Cespedes at bat Twitter account that would tweet whenever he was about to come to the plate. Tozawa at Gorilla or something like that. <laughs> you know, just turn on brutal alerts, man. Yes, exactly. Just do that to us as a. I guess I could do that. Okay. All right, folks. So there's a weird transition here because we recorded about 35 minutes worth of material on the Kirk and Hall show that turned out to be unusable. Yeah. So now we're going to re-say all the stuff we already said again, (laughs) except probably not as good as the first time because we're saying this all for the second time. Have I mentioned I hate technology? Have I ever mentioned that? Because I really fucking do. Okay, Grandpa. (laughs) I'm taking the blame for this one. I come on to shows, they break down. No, because this show show is, like, cursed at this point. I don't know what else to say. But, um, I I really... (laughs) It's really ridiculous. Okay. Anyway. Um, so let's get into Kirk and all (laughs) for a second time. The opening contest... Was over generation against. Um, all right, well, before, before that, Monster Express came out. They opened the show. There were only four of them. Peter Casa was hurt. Um, Fucking useless. Yeah, he is completely Fucking useless. Useless white boy. We were discussing how he. Um, oh. He was added to the yeah. to Monster Express just for this match, and then he went and got himself injured. Probably trying to do some stupid shit that he doesn't yet have the ability to do, you know, for the Vine. And so it was completely useless. He really gives South Carolinians a bad name. He really gives does. who? South Carolinians. He's from he's from Charleston. Oh, this explains so much. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, he is every, like, Charleston bro I've ever met in my life. So. Oh, this explains so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. But. Okay. But yeah, but the good thing about that is that that brought out Berserk and Shingo was being a delightful jerk that, or after that. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, just like, I thought it was great how he was like, you know what? You want to make this four on four? No. This is going to be five on four. And th- of course it is because I was the one who started this shit and I'm going to end it. Yeah, and he basically, um, Shingo, Shingo wanted the right to name the captain of Monster Express because Yagi came out and made it a loser revised instant comeback captain's fall rules, which, you know, we haven't seen that match. I think we we figured out in like five years. 
I think the last time we saw it was Blood Warriors Junction 3. And then there was another really awesome one with Blood Warriors against World 1 that I really liked. I, I believe it was World 1. And we haven't seen that match in a long time. The, the rules are basically um, each team can eliminate someone from the other team. And then that person has to go stand in the aisle way. And then they can come back when one of their team members gets elimination on the other team. So, for example, Sachi Hokoboy gets eliminated, as he was like six times in this match, I think. <laughs> um, he can go stand in the he has to go stand in the aisle way. But when Yoshino pins Brother Yashi or something, he can then come back. And he can keep doing that as many times as he wants until one of the two captains gets pinned. And that's the only way the match can end. Um, Shingo, since he made Monster Express, he wanted to name the captain. And he was like, the captain's going to be Sachi Hoko Boy. But um, Sachi was all for this, of course. But Tozawa put a stop to it and then just kind of nominated himself as the captain instead. So that made sense, given Tozawa's leaving and all, that he would be the captain of Monster Express. And it was kind of him and it was kind of him and Shingo that started the unit anyway. So, you know, it was it was uh, it was fitting. Um, after that whole thing, we then got the the Gong Child segment with Overgeneration coming out for more talking. Very small. and yes, it was a very very small child. Which so I guess we got we got to tell that story again. That Shima <laughs> was like, we have to get the smallest child in the audience to kind of mirror our opponents because their opponents are obviously the rookies and the child could not have been older than two years old it could not have been or she could not have been (laughs) yeah she had to come with her mom she was wearing a really cute tutu though um so the, the the child was very tiny Child rang the bell and very afraid of Shima. Very afraid of Shima. Been listening to Case, I guess, thinking Shima was going to eat them. Um, so we, then we had the opening six man tag, which was Shima, Gamma, and Dragon Kid, the ex Warriors team of Over Generation, against the children, Fuda Nakamura and the Watanabe's. Well, what was your What was your thing? Oh, they're W two N. Like, the, like M- they're the new age M two K in my mind. W two N. W2N. Um, so this match went about 13 minutes. It was very enjoyable. Shima got the pin over Nakamura with the swine. Yeah, it was great. Like, you had uh, Hugh, who I think really has the ability to be a great baby face. Like, he, uh, he got the crap kicked out of him. Yeah, and he was the face of Harold. Like... Like I, like, I can't wait for some great, like, twin and, like, and, uh, triangle matches with him just and it's gonna sound really morbid of me but him getting the crap kicked out of him for like four minutes like selling and getting the good baby face fire and then tagging in why are you doing this because someone has to play ricky morton someone has to and he has yellow shoes so there we go stepped on his face don't you think this child has seen enough already well, Shima's is kind of a monster, so he was going to do this regardless. Uh, I also really liked how Shun did like a uh, back did a back handspring into a drop salt, and there was almost like the freeze frame record scratch. You you may wonder at me in this moment, what did I do to get here? And then he proceeded <laughs> to get crushed by the old guys, which I don't know. Maybe I'm being really morbid today, but I thought that was great. You just you just really love watching children getting the shit beat out of them by some dragon and spitting people and fake Greeks. 
Well, we all know who my favorite wrestler in Dragon Gate right now is, so of course I would. If Don Fuji would, then I would too. <laughs> so, Why would Don Fuji do? Don Fuji loves beating up rookies. Live your life by this motto. What would Don Fuji do? It, it would make my uh, life a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so we should also mention Shima got the pin with the swine, which is not a move he often gets pinned with anymore. So that was kind of interesting. He's like on like a kick with that. Guy. Yeah, he's like the, the crossfire on the last. Yeah, show. right. That's what I was about to say. He's on a kick with that right now with old finishers. I mean, God knows he has enough of them in the in the old archive to pull out, you know. Um, what can he pull out next? The Schwein Red Line? The, I don't fucking know, the Perfect Driver? He did the Perfect Driver. He did, he did, he, he did the Perfect Driver, yeah. yeah. He, he, could do the, he, could, he could pin someone with the Mad Splash. I, yeah. I, I mean, he, it, I'm surprised, like, whenever this next round of rookies come up, he doesn't try to pin one of them with Super Draw. Like... <laughs> Just because. Pin them with a steroid. Pin with a steroid <laughs> move. I mean, who knows what Shima's doing training for his triathlons. So. That's true. And I don't want to know. Just to confirm, by the way, you're recording right now too, Michael, Yes, right? I am. It's doing the exact same thing. Anyway, everybody, technology sucks. <laughs> Match number two. Yosuke Santa Maria and KZ getting a rare victory for Tribe Vanguard over Yamamura and Ishida. I don't want to give my entire rant on Yamamura again and get in this debate again. Yamamura is not doing it for me right now. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I like him well enough, but um, he's he's hit a wall for me. But as we discussed, it's probably because he started at a higher level. And as we discussed, it is none of you will ever hear because my computer apparently sucks. Yamamura started at a higher level and feels like he hasn't progressed um, as far as far as Ishida has, maybe because you know he already started at a high level. So I get that, and that's fine. He's just he's just not really doing it for me right now. But that's, um, that's totally fair. Yeah, KZ got KZ got a rare pin with a move I he does so rarely that I forget he has it. The impact on Yamamura. This he was planted a, the poor child. He did plant that child. Yes. Yeah, he got spiked. Um, <laughs> what? He got spiked? Yes. You could say that. You could say that. Um, there was and... a really... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say there was a really sweet, like, prawn tonic during the match that I loved. Yes. That is true. That is uh, That was Yamamura. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and also... Get, kind of just want to touch on Maria for a second about how upset, not upset is not really the word I would use, frustrated, how frustrated it made me when Ishida decided to no-sell Maria's kicks was something that I think I'm going to be talking about for a good, like, two or three weeks. Like, how dare he? She's a former, she's a former Brave Gate champion. How dare he do this? Who does he think he is? He's just a child. In golden pants. That made, I was so upset. He's just a golden pants kick boy, and he did, and he and should have he sold had those the kicks. The audacity of no selling Maria's kicks, which really sets us back like at least a year. Wake up! I, no, that that really really annoyed me like a lot. Like it really annoyed me. Just not a good thing, and it was kind of it kind of tainted not. 
kind of I know that I'm taking these things a lot more seriously than a lot of people are, but it kind of tainted the match for me because I don't think it had its place. But you know, boys will be boys. Yeah, and and I said this on the, our first take. Their tendency to immediately downgrade their most recent Bravegate champion is something that I never get because they did the same thing with KZ after he dropped the title to Zawa. He he immediately became the lost post of Dia Hearts and. I don't know why they always kind of do that to people after they drop the title. I mean, Tozawa, pretty much, after he dropped it to Katoka, he was kind of just spinning his wheels until they had the uh, the Invisible Triangle Gate win, and then, Katoka, <laughs> and then Katoka as well, I mean. But it just kind of... I don't know what the mindset is from that booking logic, and you could really see that it's happening again with Maria, and I don't like it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No it's, good. It, it is really weird that they're they kind of like go back in time with these wrestlers all the time. Um, like Maria progresses, and then they just kind of like go back to her being a comedy figure. But I mean, maybe they'll give her a push again in the future. Who knows? Um, so match three was Mochi Fuji. Anytime you get to see Mochi Fuji, it's always a good time. And they were taking good on thing. the team of Kanda and Genki. They won in about 10 minutes, Fuji pinning Genki with the Gato clutch. Um, it was, it was, you know, it was the kind of match, like I was saying before, they, they had it in gear one and they didn't really feel the need to go into gear two or gear three. And it was just kind of like a wacky little 10 minute match. But those matches, be, I was going to say, those matches can be enjoyable anyway. Is one, is oh, one. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it needed to be more than what it was. Um, you know, we know what four guys, what the four guys are capable of. We know that they're, you know, they're, and like like we said also is that the whole card, apart from the Braygate match, kind of gave me the impression of um, giving people things to smile about before ripping their hearts out of their chests. Yeah, it just seems like that they knew that they were going to have such an emotional main event and that there was already a title match that... A lot of the other matches never really kicked it into the uh, gear that we know it could. That they were just getting, doing their time, doing some fun things. I mean, the whole miscommunication with Mochi and Fuji was amazing. I, lo- I love whenever those two guys interact in any way. Being either in a tag team, being on opposite sides of it, of, of the ring. Like, they just have, like, this fun chemistry that you can tell that whatever they're doing, they're doing it because they enjoy it. And I, you could tell it really clearly with them. Mm-mm, absolutely. And just... I always, I always enjoy these guys. I mean, you don't, you know that I'm never going to say anything bad about anything that involves Saki Mochizuki. Apart from when he decided to go back to the long pants and hide his beautiful thighs from my view, but that's a uh, <clears throat> anyway. Um, no, I, I just, it, it was fun. The miscommunication between Mochi and Fuji was really fun. Uh, Horiguchi and Kanda kind of almost getting tired of this shit at some point. Um. I don't know. I in, in, enjoy. This is this is the kind of match that you have to enjoy for what it is. Yeah, like, exactly. Just Don Fuji not being in the mood. You know, like it was not his day. Don Fuji not being in the mood is something that the many married housewives of Tokyo never he, never hears. Really, <laughs> he, he's he's always in the mood for them. Uh, it wasn't okay, ka- so, it wasn't karaoke it wasn't beating up young boys and it wasn't middle-aged housewives he wasn't into it match four was the 
open the Brave Gate title match, Brave Gate Contra Cape, Ata and Alinda Man. Um, so I was a little disappointed by this in that I thought it was going to be more of a technical map battle, given that both have shown a lot of that this year. But in hindsight, when given the storyline and stuff and all the need to get over Linda Man's new heel character, I do get why they had more of a brawling style match. It was it was still a good match. I still enjoyed it. I just thought it was going to be a little bit more than what it was. It only went like 14 minutes. Um, we had the interference from Dr. Muscle, who we'll get into who he was in the main event, but I will say it was one of the better Dr. Muscles in a while as far as actually getting down the mannerisms and the and like the weird way he walks and stuff. I thought he did a really good job. I, and um, he we got the big Dr. Muscle spot where you think he's there to help Linda Man since usually Dr. Muscle is, of course, there to help the heel. And he has the red box, you know, and ready to hit Ada with it. And when Ada moves, he hits El Linda Man instead. And he had plenty of time not to hit El Linda Man but still hit him anyway, which is a pretty famous Dragon Gate spot calling all the way back to my favorite spot of all time it, with during the Gamma and Conda real hazard breakup where, um, you know, Gamma has plenty of fucking time not to hit Conda with this kendo stick. Conda puts his hands up to say, don't hit me with this kendo stick, and Gamma shrugs and hits him with the kendo stick anyway. <laughs> it's still probably my all-time favorite spot, I think. Mm-mm. And I think yeah. the best Gamma in history. Yes, Gamma. That that was Gamma's peak. But yeah, um, talking about that Dr. Muscle, I, you, you just reminded me that I have a point to make that, again, is going to sound a little far-fetched and like I'm reading too much into things, but that's my that's my thing, okay? Let me, let me live. Um, but I will say this um, when we talk about the main event. But yeah, no, I, um, I think the match served the purpose, you know, of establishing Linda as this his new heel persona with his, you know, his new heel tights that still have a little patch of cherry blossoms. I know that we didn't mention that in the first time around. I don't know how we forgot to mention that the that cherry is, blossoms on his tights is awesome. It's that like is adorable. he's like, I'm gonna dye my hair, I'm gonna go red and have a berserk logo, but damn it. I'm still going to have my cherry blossoms. It right. kind of looks like he literally just cut up a piece of the leg of his previous trunks and slapped it on there. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like how T-Hawk, like, I love T-Hawk's resort gear, where it's kind of like he's taking his other gear and just putting red all over it. So Yes, it's beautiful. H- how these young guys are adjusting in their fashion choices are ways that I approve of, other than the hair. And then, and then there's Ata. Uh, don't get me started on the trash bag dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or the suit, but oh, oh, you're just oh, that just reminded me of UT suit. Oh no, God, I I, oh. I try to take that in my mind, Jules. I try. Oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, and yeah, so establishing Linda Man's new heel character with that fucking rope, also Hangman Linda Man. Hangman Linda Man. <laughs> I don't know. The rope is so comically big. Is what I'm like. Why? And each time he used it, like, to hit him rather than choking. If choking, it worked great, both this and the main event. But, like, when he hit him with it, the rope is too long. So it hits the ring first. So it's obvious that whoever's taking it is not getting the full brunt of it. So I, I usually am okay about suspending disbelief. But the rope, I was like, come on, Linda, man. Were you just, like, hanging out on the docks, found a rope, and thought this would be neat and punk? Mm-hmm. But... Mm. <laughs> And Shima made his um, presence known. Shima did make his presence known. Yes. Um, taking Mondai Ryu all over the place. Has no chill. So the, 
the the Brave Gate. So Ada retained the title, and afterwards was like, okay, my two defenses so far have been against Yashi and Linda Man. I need a real challenger. So he nominates Flamita, and that's going to be the big Brave Gate match for Gate of Destiny. Um, he mentioned that they fought in Mexico when Flamita was only 16. They actually wrestled a lot of one-on-one matches in Mexico, apparently. And Ada was basically like, I won some, I lost some. But now things are different. I'm a champion. I'm going to show how much stronger I am now. That's a really cool Brave Gate match just because, you know, Flamita never lost the title. Flamita's very well protected in Dragon Gate. He very rarely loses. So that should be a really good, really fun and really strong Brave Gate match, which, you know, given that the main event's a six-man tag, you probably need a strong Brave Gate match on that show. Yeah, and this was kind of the uh, Brave Gate defense that I thought Ada would have first, to be honest, instead of Yashi and Ada and Linda Ben. And it kind of really, I think, is something that he needs to do to cement his ring because he's had the Yashi defense, the less said about it, the better, and the Lindemann defense, which was not bad. Like, I liked it. It just was not what I expected and was hoping for in a match between those two. So I, I have high hopes for it. It's there's no way it isn't great. Like, it's just kind of it's for me. It's really one of these matches that you look at the two competitors, you look at what they can do, and you look at like there's no way this isn't gonna be great. Like, there's just no way. I just this is one of these matches that I refuse to to even imagine is going to be anything less than excellent. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, okay, so that was the Brave Gate contra Kate match. Um, I think we're, I think now we're, we're almost back at where we were when I realized the, re- the first recording went haywire. So yeah. I guess we went through the first four we, matches a little faster. Yeah, there was a lot of, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't go on my rant about Lindemann's character, so. <laughs> I mean, I, we should talk a little bit about Lindemann's direction now. Yeah. Anyway, because I, it's going to be interesting where Linda goes. We were okay. like we were talking about in the first recording. I Look. think the idea for him will be to replace Doi as like the punk heel kind of character. And when you look at the hair, especially and like his general mannerisms, I think he'll be kind of like the. And he, he, we obviously know he's a very good promo, so he'll probably be like the new. Well, it's, it'll be him or Yashi, I guess, as like the new mouthpiece because Yashi does a lot of talking too already, but. Um, yeah, I think that's the direction he'll go. I don't see him as a long-term heel, though. I don't, maybe you guys disagree with, me with that, disagree with me on that, but I think he'll be, I think he'll be a heel for like a year or two and then turn back. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, one thing that I did want to say again is about how if you had asked me last year, this time last year, to imagine a Linda versus A-Type Bravegate match, I would have had these roles completely reversed. Is what I said. That to me, Eita has it in him to have such a great heel run at some point, like a really a true heel run, because he just he just has that, you know. Like even in this match, he was like, he was like, you know, this arrogant older brother putting the younger brother back in his place, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. I imagining this match a year ago, I definitely would have thought, you know. Ata would be the heel champion, and Linda would be the babyface hero. Here the we one have... thing, the one thing I'll say with Dragon Gate though, it's okay for it's okay for babyfaces to be kind of a jerk. I mean, look oh, at yeah. Shima, oh, look at Don Fuji. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not refuting that whatsoever. I just really thought that in this particular instance of this particular match, I always thought that Ata would be the one um, who'd be like full heel, not just arrogant babyface. Right. 
I, I still think he probably does have a heel run in him at some point, but oh, absolutely. They, they I clearly, so. they clearly want him to be the the future like star. So I get why they're giving him a, this long babyface run, but I don't. I mean, I'm I've stopped worrying about him. Or like this time, or not not even this time this year, but like early this year before the Brave Gate win and the Brave Gate run and his mm-hmm. run of great matches. Oh, yeah. I was more worried about him as a babyface long term, but he's really like found himself again as a as a member of our generation. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not like it, it's not like T Hawk. Or with T Hawk this year, I was counting down the moments until they turned him heel because they were doing nothing with him. And he mm-hmm. needed that heel turn desperately. Yeah. But Ita I don't think needs a heel turn desperately anymore at all. No, not a no, I, I don't think he needs it. I think he's he's in a really good place where he is right now. But he definitely does have the potential to have an amazing heel run. Yeah, and I think kind of going back to what John said about this year leading up to the Brave Gate, when I think really like the moment that I stopped having my doubts about him was was King of Gate. Like that really like, was like a lot of people. I think that was the turning point. That I was like, okay, he can play Technico because like I always felt like he was the odd man out and over generation, and now he now I think. What really has hap- helped him most is I think he has confidence in himself because he mm-hmm. always seemed like really he always has like some trepidation about him and maybe like that's kind of in the same way that I'm hoping happens with Lindemann as a heel because I don't I don't know I either kind of see him like how you all think that he's going to have like a one or two year run or he's going to end up like KZ who I thought was going to be a tw- terrible heel after World One and then ended up being the longest tenured heel since <laughs> Dragon Gate formed so. It, it, you know, I could go either way with that. I think Ada, I, I think I'm pretty comfortable with his station in Dragon Gate right now. Whereas, me too. This time six months ago, I was like, I don't know about this guy. Make sure you you have his passport because he might run off to Mexico at any moment. You know, there were people um, early this year. I think it was. I can't remember who. I it think was. I might have been one of them. <laughs> Maybe one of the. Yeah, I don't know. There were people who. I was having because you guys know that I've always been a a fan of all the all the young all the young guys. Um, ever since I got into Dragon Gate, they've been like my my babies, and I'm I've never been one to be like, oh, this guy is a lost cause and this guy is hopeless. I mean, I'm T Hawk's biggest fan for Christ's sake. And for Linda, I remember having discussions about him. I think after Final Gates where he, he had that really lackluster Brave Gate challenge against Katoka. And people were legitimately telling me, I don't think he had, that, that they, they didn't think, like I'm quoting people who said, I don't think he has any potential beyond a tag guy. And I'm just like, who's laughing now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to be fair, some of the people who, thought, who said that kind of thing are the type of people that never admit when they're wrong, so. They probably don't. They probably are, they probably still think they're right about it. But <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sub- sub- subtweet some people with, via audio. I, I mean, I'm someone that you gotta I, stop doing subtweet via audio. I was someone who, when Ada or when Yuga Hayashi first became El Lindemann, I was not for it. So I'm thinking that this might be a good time to kind of see what his stuff is as a heel because I felt like his character, other than the Marylands kind of storyline 
really kind of was just there for a while. I loved his ability, but he was there. And maybe like this this small punk mouthpiece of Berserk might be the role for him as Hangman Linda. He's so small. So, match five, the semi-main, we had the Jimmys, Susumu, Kagatora, and Ryu Saito against Tribe Vanguard, Yamato, Hulk, and Flamita. Um, so Kagatora pinned Hulk here, which was very, so pretty surprising to me, but if you're going to give the win to the Jimmys, I guess that's who you have to pin because you don't want to pin Flamita right before his Gate challenge and Yamato's the Dreamgate champion. Um, it's just, it shows that Hulk is like, kind of stagnant right now like he just he he looks like he's getting his ring timing back finally which is good like i'd say later in the summer venture tag league he started getting his ring timing back but he really is not being pushed at all right now he just kind of he's just kind of there so i don't know what that says but he's definitely not he's definitely not a focal point right now I would even argue that he hasn't been a focal point since he lost the Dreamgate. Like this has kind of been the story of his last few years. Was he had his free, he had his Dreamgate run? He had his stable pretty much in his image, and then after he dropped the title, he's just he got injured, and that was about it. And Mm-mm. Mm-mm. it just doesn't. It's one of the things that like I think it's a statement right now with how Dreamgate has been historically that out of the six pillars right now. Tazawa is considered higher than BB Hulk. That's true, actually. And that's something that I would, as one of the biggest proponents of Akira Tazawa, I think on the internet, as my 200-tweet story I did when I thought he was going to leave after uh, after Dangerous Gate, says, <laughs> I never thought that would happen. But it's interesting, because how much hope has been put behind BB Hulk his entire career, and now he's now the seen kind of as the low man of his tier. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I don't know if it's just like, well, he had his run and, you know, he can go on the back burner now for a while. But, like, he's he's just kind of there. It's really weird to see BB Hulk back after he was out that long to see him back and just be like, yeah, he's here, but he's not really doing anything. It's a little weird. It doesn't bother me. It I, I don't know. I don't find it as weird as you guys... Uh, the way I see it is like sometimes you're better off being a support guy. I think Hulk, you know, he's the, I mean, he, not by much, but he's the oldest of the six pillars, right? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, he is. It's either him not or by, Doi. No, it's it's him. Okay. Mm-mm. Not by much, by like a few months, but he is the old the oldest of the six pillars. Um, and we should we should point out who we're talking about with six pillars, by the way. Because he didn't really. We're saying Dory, Yoshino, Hulk, Yamato, Shingo. Tozawa, and Shingo. Yeah, yeah. Tozawa. So that's, that's what we're saying. It's six colors. I think Hulk, where he is right now, after returning from injury, it's kind of funny and sad at the same time that him and Kagetora returned, returned almost at the same time. And Kagetora is already back at such a high level, and Hulk is having trouble getting back there. Um, in terms of physicality and just mobility and, and in-ring. Yeah. So, for me, I think it's better that Hulk is put in that role because I don't know if he could really keep up um, if they wanted to, like, push him back to the top right after he came back. 
Yeah, and also, like, I, I like the juxtaposition between him and Kagatora because one of the things I really took out of that trios match was Kagatora, like, f- for as much as, as much of a fan of it as he's been in and how he relates to the crowd, that might have been one of the most over crowds he's ever had, I felt like. Like, the crowd, Cork and, Cork and Hall was Kagatora country during that match. I... Good. Yeah, and he's been he's been on a roll too. I mean, you know, he's, he's been having some of the best performances of, of his career. I think he's incredible. Like at this point, if anyone like tries to tell me that Kagatora is not incredible, I'm gonna hand them either a slap in the face or a pair of glasses. <laughs> and also, and also, what's Philip is gonna kill them too? Also, Phil is going to kill them. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like. I think the thing about Kagatora is that he's a guy who, you know, despite working that Dragon Gate pace, which I have a really funny anecdote about that, you know, working the Dragon Gate pace and everything, I think he's one of the guys in Dragon Gate that you could you could show him to a fan of any style of wrestling and they would be like, yeah, this guy's awesome. Right. I kind agree. of the same way as you could do that with Shingo. And... I, and, you know, that kind of leaves me wondering, is there more in Kagatora's future than, you know, Twin and Triangle Gate? I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe a Brave Gate. Right? Yeah. I can't, ever, I can't ever I see I don't think, see, look, ah, I wanted that too, but I kind of had to, I've kind of had to come around on the fact that, and not really come around, but I really wanted a Brave, a Kagatora Brave Gate run. And I thought we might get that earlier this year probably but now that they've really it really feels like they decided to go in that direction of really giving it to the younger generation and not just like saying they're going to give it to the younger generation and then put it on Genji Horiguchi because um, that's how it turned out the last time <laughs> um, so they're really good because you know that Brave Gate li- lineage you look at it since Tozawa lost it it was Kotoka, Maria and Eita and it's kind of looking like it's going to continue um, in that direction. And so the question is, Kadetora is obviously extremely talented as a wrestler. He's popular as hell. Is it possible, hypothetically, maybe, probably, that there will be a Dreamgate reign in his future? I personally can't see it. To be honest, and sad to say, it, yeah. it, unless it's like a gold watch like Susumu's reign earlier this year mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. kind of fulfills a storyline. It's just, I don't think he's ever even been involved in a Dream Key match. I don't think so. But I mean, at the same time, they gave Kness a title match a couple years ago. So I can see him getting a match, definitely. But a reign at this point, I don't know. Yeah. And I, like I said, it's it's hypothetical. It's me kind of daydreaming and stuff like that. I would love for him to maybe get a Dreamgate challenge. Oh, I'd love to. Sure. I'd love to see him like in a big like singles main event match. I think that he has a lot to bring to the table in that. It would be, be like a really interesting defense, even against like Yamato. I think that'd be a real interesting title defense. It would, it would remind me a lot of when Kaness got. Remember when Kaness got that Dreamgate challenge? Yeah, yeah. Against okay. Shima. Yeah, during against Sh- Shima. Yeah. Yeah. So like I I enjoy when like a, a career Mick Carter gets that big Dreamgate challenge finally I think that's usually a really good match. 
But um, so we'll see. I, I would be down for that. Um, we didn't really talk about the six man tag at all. The match itself at all. I thought this was a really fun match. I mean, pretty typical Dragon Gate semi main six man, but uh, you know, they're very rarely anything but good. But it was it was good. I liked it. I, and you know, I feel like this match more than a lot of things that have happened since the formation kind of got me thinking about Tribe Vanguard as a unit. Well, yeah, I had that reaction too. Sadly, it's like they, they sadly, do kind of. They do kind of lose all the fucking time. I mean, and I, the thing is that, especially when you put them against a unit like the Jimmies, who are coming up on five years together, um, and who can still, after all this time, be entertaining champions and farm any number of interesting teams and considered important enough to get wins over, you know, the team of the Brave Gate, of the Brave Gate, the Dream Gate champion. And the thing about Tribe Vanguard that I feel like, and that it took me a long time to admit because I love all the, all the people in it so much. The thing about them is that they're a unit that fails to be as great as its individual parts. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Because, I mean, Yamato is amazing. I feel like we've been pretty open about being big fans of Yamato on this podcast. Um, Flamita is amazing. Casey is Casey is great. Maria is a ton of fun, and she's been improving leaps and bounds this year. Hulk is maybe <laughs> the most divisive member of the unit. You know, I love him. Um, and, but the thing is that even with all these great people in it, the unit in itself doesn't click. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like the easy comparison for me to make with this. Is compare this to Dia Hearts because they yeah, both... there's no com- there's no comparison. Well, I, I mean, like if you think about like time frame, like how they were formed, like a lead yeah. up to a. a I'm a, saying Dia Hearts is just so much was so much better than this. Yeah, and, and you kind of see the two sides of the coin there because you had two very similar situations. The leader of the units were getting the big title matches at Kobe World and one were positioned as the top guy, and then you had people flesh out the units. And I think the big thing that doesn't that why it doesn't mesh also other than that they're they're better that they're better as individuals than as a whole it's missing a young member like a because you kind of have because you kind of right now have maria in the role that kz was in and dia hearts you have but you don't have a big arshimizu you don't have like a guy that you're putting on the up that's that you're using the unit to kind of give him a rub so like i i guess you know would have been what the (laughs) It could have been what what would have what would have happened if Lindemann had eventually joined, but that didn't happen. So. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when you say young boy, obviously, like I will never let this go. I will I will never let it go. That when you said they need a young man, I was like UT. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck is UT? Like he was. He's uh, he's out uh, recovering from surgery. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I think like he blew out his one of his knee ligaments. Like it's a big one. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. he's he's. Hurt. But, I, forgot he was, I forgot he was hurt. He's hurt again. That's the answer yeah. for most UT questions. So yeah, but right now there's. I mean, unless Big R joins, but then you're. You know what? Actually, I wouldn't mind that. I already have plans for okay. Big R. If if Big R joins, though, it, then you might as well call this D Hearts too. Like, it, at mean, that point, it's going to Hello, Berserk? No, I know. Berserk feels... Berserk feels different enough from Matt Blanky now 
especially with Doi and Yamato both gone. Yeah. Like, Berserk is completely different. Now, we'll, we'll no, get into that in the main no, event. No, it's really different. Yeah, Berserk is completely different now. Um, okay, so... You know, apart from Mondai Ryu. And I will Cyber say, Cyber. yeah, Mondai Ryu and Cybercom. The I will say the... That the booking doesn't help them, where it does no. feel like the Dreamgate champion and, and his friends their job a lot, basically. Yeah. And, and they need to they need to figure out what they're doing with this unit because right now they are so clearly the weakest unit, and they're not going to get. Yes. They're only going to get overshadowed more once we see whatever the new babyface unit is going to be. Yeah. So I don't. So far, Tribe Vanguard is probably the biggest disappointment of 2016 in Dragon Gate. One thing that I was thinking about too. Um, was about Yamato's Dreamgate reign is that the lead up to it was probably the best thing Dragon Gate's done this year, in my opinion. The lead up from Dead or Alive to Kobe World was great. The problem is that right from the pro- for me the problem that kind of makes even Yamato's Dreamgate run kind of underwhelming right now. I don't know if you guys agree. I basically, I do. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Is that, what happened is that, so the lead up from, it maybe maybe earlier than Dead or Alive, you could even start this at Champion Gate, because that was really when the trouble started. From Champion Gate to Dead or Alive to Kobe World, I thought the story was perfect, the lead up was perfect, it was, in my opinion, the best thing Dragon Gate's done this year. And then you have... A, Yamato wins the title of Kobe World. It's awesome. Everyone is happy. You know, the world is beautiful again. Birds are singing, etc., etc. Um, the problem is that right at the same time, you start hearing, you know, first of all, for me, there were, there were two factors. The first was the Summer Adventure Tad League was really underwhelming. Um, and Yamato's run in the Summer Adventure Tad League was really underwhelming. Um... You have the two, I think they have two draws, one against Dragon Kid and Eita, and the second against Shingo and Cybercon. Um, the match with Shimizu and Tozawa, I really liked, but I feel like I'm in the minority. Um, and so the Summer Adventure Tad League was so, felt like such a quiet time in Dragon Gate that it didn't really give Yamato any room to grow into this particular title. Right. He, 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 it killed his momentum. Exactly. And the second thing that I want to touch on, and please do not think that this is me hating on Tozawa, because it's not. I know what you're going to say. That, is that right when Yamato won the Dreamgate, there was the CWC, and that's when the Tozawa WWE rumors started, and the attention, all the attention shifted to Tozawa. All uh, the attention shifted to... And this is not me... I love Tozawa, okay? But when that happened... That's when Dragon Gate started to revolve around Tozawa a lot more than it revolved around Yamato. It started revolving around Tozawa getting that last Dream Gate opportunity. It started, you know, uh, with the trouble in Monster Express, with Monster Express probably disbanding and, you know, before Tozawa left. These two things for me, the Summer Adventure Tad League uh, being a very quiet time in, Dragon, in, in the summer of Dragon Gate. Not having your Kodakuen show in August really hurt too. Um, and the fact that the focus completely shifted to Tozawa because of the Cruiserweight Classic and because of the fact that he's going to WWE, rest in peace, um, I feel like that killed Yamato's momentum completely dead because 
the focus was like the focus was not on him as the champion. He's supposed to be the top babyface of the promotion. He's supposed to be the ace of the promotion. But people are talking about Tozawa more. People are caring about Tozawa more because of circumstances. And there are circumstances that are completely, I want to say completely out of Yamato's control, but that is not helping him or Tribe Vanguard at all. I, I completely agree with you. I would, I would like to present one other circumstance that was in yeah. his control. And that, oh. was the, uh, and that was the Dangerous Gate title match. Was under- I liked it. I, I, thought uh, it was, you're, <laughs> I was a little underwhelmed, but that might just be me yeah. as the Tazawa fan. No, I, I, I didn't like it. It wasn't that great. So, like, the, I, I completely agree with the, uh, I think that Summer Adventure Tag League, and this might be a very controversial thing, I think Summer Adventure Tag League should be removed from the schedule. Because for the last, because for, cause, uh, for me, Summer Adventure Tag League, over my stint of watching Dragon Gate and Toriumon, was the second most I became disinterested in the promotion. It just was that slow. And it killed his yeah, momentum. See, see, so, see, the problem with the Summer Adventure Tag League, it's the same problem they have with the King of Gate, where, like, you have all these fucking matches in the tournament that don't make tape. And it's like, mm-hmm. how the fuck can you follow a tournament where more than half the matches don't make tape, you know? Yeah, it's just very really... few things in Summer Adventure Tag League make tape. Yeah, King of Gate has that problem, too, but not to the same degree. No. But Summer, like, King of Gate, I would say, like, less than half doesn't make tape, maybe. But, like, Summer Adventure Tag League... A lot of shit doesn't make tape. And it's like, it's really hard to be into a tournament and follow a tournament and get and be into it when half the shit doesn't make tape. Like, it's really just impossible to really get into it when it doesn't make tape. And it doesn't have the G1 is at the same time in New Japan, which a lot of people are following along with. And everything for that makes tape, you know? So it's like, you just feel like if you're, if you're going to invest your time in a tournament in the summer, you're going to invest your time in a tournament where you can actually fucking watch all the matches. And, so they need to either they need to drop this thing or they need to find a way to get everything to make tape. I I completely agree with you. I also think that having it right after Kobe World, which stagnates the uh, if there's a title change, it stagnates the new Dreamgate champion doesn't help. It kind of did the same thing with Hulk, and it kind of was one of the things that was overriding with Yoshino last year going into a Dangerous Gate. Like it was, it kind of it pulls emphasis away from the champion, especially after the biggest show in your year. So yeah, I just I just don't I don't understand what the I, they they need to they need to drop it. They were yeah. better off doing like a single elimination tag tournament and like a single elimination trios tournament because they have so many trios anyway, and just do that just do single elimination because you, round robin do not work in, if you're not going to have everything make tape. It just doesn't work. True. So all right, um, so that was the semi main. Let's finally get to the main event now. Monster Express vs. Berserk. The Loser Revives. Captain Fall. Elimination. Unit Disbands match. Yoshino, Tozawa, Big R, Shimizu, and Shaji Hoko Boy against Shingo, Doi, Yashi, T-Hawk, and Cyber Kong. Um, this was a long match. It went about 37 minutes before Shingo finally got the pin on Tozawa with the pumping bomber. Um, I would say this was a really good match. It was a, a level slightly below... The three-way unit disbands match for me. I wouldn't call it as good as that one, or as good as some as good as the unit disband matches from last year. The 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 three-way one with the Jimmys, the Millennials, and Mad Blanky, or the Jimmys versus Mad Blanky ones. Those were a little better to me, but this was still a really, really, really good match and a really fun, you know, long Dragon Gate elimination match. Um, Thirty-seven minutes. Yeah. 
Um, but it, it, yeah. it never it never feels this long with Dragon Gate. No, it never. I, I couldn't believe it was thirty seven minutes. I was like, okay, yeah. like it felt like twenty minute match to me. I, I had it pretty much as y'all do that, just slightly below it. It's not in my. It might be my fifth best match of Dragon Gate all year, just because. But that's, and that's not me dismissing it. It's just that I felt that the three way unit disbands match from from uh, earlier this year was probably the best unit disbands match they've done in a few years. So yeah. Really, really good. Oh, there was someone on on Twitter asking if this match, um, Verzard versus Monster Express, was in any way similar to uh, Mad Blanky versus Jimmy's versus Millennials, because that was the the one that they they really liked above Eat. above all above all else. Like in the recent years, just their personal preference. I don't really think it was. Um. But then again, I think it's always very hard to compare these matches. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think the big thing that this didn't have that I think the previous matches had, maybe a little less so with the uh, Jimmy's versus, uh, Millenn- uh, not Millennials, Jimmy's versus uh, Mad Blanky, was I think that everyone was of the belief that they knew what unit was losing. I yes, have... I, I that did hurt. I think that hurt the crowd. He, I think everybody felt like, okay, there's no way Monster Express isn't losing this. Which I thought, you know, maybe it would be a swerve, but it didn't end up being a swerve. But, like, um, yeah, I, do, I did think that hurt the crowd heat a little bit. The crowd heat was not quite at the level we're accustomed to for a Kurrican um, unit spam match. Mm-mm. But that all being said, I felt like for this kind of match where the outcome wasn't as much in doubt, de- the outcome really wasn't in doubt, using the, uh, the loser revives the instant revive rules, I thought that added so much to the match. Even if yeah. it was Shachi constantly getting getting uh, pinned and then going outside and then someone getting a pen on a Berserk member, Sachi comes in for two minutes and gets sent back to the penalty Sachi box. Sachi is like the personification of fighting spirit in this match. It, it, though I have to say, as much as I love Sachi in this, my favorite re- revive was the last one with Yashi, where Yashi just kind of saunters out there very slowly. Everyone else was running, and, and by the 35th minute, Yashi was kind of like, I'm just going to take my time. <laughs> I don't know if you all noticed that, but I, I, the second time I watched the match, I couldn't stop laughing at it. I actually had to pause the match and go like, oh god, I have to see him do this again. Because he just like walks. like He doesn't spread out there, he's just taking his time. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love Yashi. Uh, the other thing we have to talk about in this match, of course, is Dr. Muscle re-emerging and then revealing himself to be none other than Kotoka. Um, the, the way this happened was so hilarious. He gets up on the top rope. He does the blah with his hands, and Shingo on the floor like pantomimes it at the same time, like in a disbelieving way, like blah, like what? Like, <laughs> Shingo was great all match. Shingo on the floor just like was couldn't believe what he was seeing. Basically, okay. And if, you, if you try to get in his head, if you get in his head, okay, during this moment, he's like, I took. This little fucker under my wing. I protected him when Yamato wanted him out of the unit. I basically picked him over Yamato, and this is how this little fuck pays me back. Like, for once, Shingo had every right to be angry, I feel like. Like, I could totally understand where Shingo was coming from. Okay, seriously, 
am I the only one who could hear like the Benny Hill theme song playing when Kotoka was running out? And <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, why the fuck are they turning Kotoka babies again? Because because uh, he's coming back from injury is my answer. But I I like to believe that when he was pantomiming it, I like to believe that Shingo completely forgot that Katoka exists, and he's like, what is this playing? What is this playing that's <laughs> happening right now? What's, what's Dr. Muscle doing? Dr. Muscle doesn't play, and then he was like, oh, it's Katoka, that guy. <laughs> he, the, the, he, oh, so, so when he delivered the, the cadre and stuff, like, the crowd went nuts for this, by the way. Mm-mm. Like, oh, you've never heard fucking Katoka get su- such a reaction. Yes. But, um, so we're going to have... It's going to be a weird time, basically. We're going to have something between Katoka's old babyface character and his heel character, except as a babyface. It's going to be weird, man. I'm not, I don't know what to expect with this. Okay, 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 okay. Um, I have something to say. This is the thing that I, I said I was reminded of earlier and that I'm probably reaching for the stars as, a, as usual, but, you know, it's what people like about me, um, I think. Is there anything to like about me? Anyway, um, okay, so this reminded me, uh, Kotoka interfering in favor of the faces as Dr. Muscle reminded me of Casey, of Casey's face turn, um, in early 2015. Yeah, yeah. As Dr. Muscle interfering in favor of millennials against Matt Blanky, and the reason I mean, first of all, because the situations were similar, and also the reason why this jumped to my mind is because the the day that Casey did that was Kotoka's first match in the Millennials. Oh, that's right. And that was the only other time that Casey or that Kotoka really got a face pop. What? That was the only other time that Kotoka really got a big face pop. Other than yes, when Casey Casey hit Shima with the powder, Casey yeah. as Doctor Muscle hit Shima with the powder, and Katota rolled him up. That's right. <laughs> so it reminded um, me of that, and I was like, and I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Jules, you're reading too much into this, but it makes me happy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so, I'm yeah, really. The jury is out to me on this Katoka face run. I guess we'll have to see, wait and see how it happens. If if he's going to be like the wacky like sidekick slash mascot of whatever the new Bayface unit is, that's fine. What the fuck think, did you say? Like he'll be like the you know like the the wacky sidekick, the wacky like he'll come around and do blah. Like that's fine. I I don't mind him as that as like the wacky, you know, the wacky member of the new unit. That's that's totally okay. But this is a little weird to me. Just it's, I did not. If you told me before this card to predict what's going to happen, a Katoka babyface turn would not have been on my list. So I was a little surprised by this. I, I don't know where he goes because, uh, for one, there's no room for him in sailing. That he's not allowed on that boat. Uh, <laughs> the new babyface unit. I think we'll probably get more into this. It's just of like who all is around. I just can't really see him. Really being, uh, he'll, he's going to be in that. I think. I think uh, he's going to be in that. the the one place. And this is going to sound like I'm really ragging on the guy, and I could see happen just because of how much the crowd liked it and how this could kind of be like, as you were saying, John, like a mascot. I could see him joining the Jimmys. <laughs> I guess. I, I I mean, he kind of always was before millennials and 
and Berserk, he kind of always was just another guy. Like, he was UT before UT was UT. And, <laughs> I, I mean... Wasn't he in... He was in Midori in the window. Yes, he was. Yeah. That's exactly okay. my reasoning. Like, I could see him kind of joining there. He wears glasses on the outside, and, you know, I don't... And he has, like, a crowd thing, and we know how much the Jimmys love interacting with the crowd. So, I could almost see that. That's my far-fetched thing of the day. Katoka and so, Jimmy's. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Katoka. Jimmy Katoka. Jimmy Katoka. Oh my goodness. If this happens, I want everyone to s- realize that Mike <laughs> called it. <laughs> Mike called it. Um, Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag Mike called it. This is just... Uh... <laughs> the more I think about this, the more I like it. I, I want to join the Jimmy's. I don't know what color he'd be. I know that everything reminds me of stuff that happens on Twitter because I basically live on Twitter, but it just reminds me of someone putting like a picture of Katota blaying like next to a picture of Genki with like his face, like his hands, you know, like in front of his face, like he usually does. And they were like father and son. <laughs> oh my God. Genki's his dad. Okay. So, um, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, the post-match, um, so Doi is taunting Monster Express afterwards. They're done. Fair and square. It's over. Have fun in the States, Tozawa. And he starts talking about the Day of Destiny main event. But suddenly, T-Hawk comes up from behind him and delivers the Urajagoku Yura and the Night Ride. Um, which, you know, if I didn't know that was going to happen already, I would have been pretty surprised, I think. Who saw this live? Jules, were you pretty surprised when this happened? When the what? When, when, when they turned on Doi. Yes. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. You... I mean, the thing is that at, when it first ha- when like in the moment when it happened, I was like, "What the fuck?" And then I was like, "Oh right, the failed twin gate challenges." Yeah, and they basically they blamed it on. So T Hawk was like, "The goal of dismantling Monster Express is over. Dory is no longer needed. He can go back to the back of the line. He's out of berserk." Um, I should note. Thank you to Jay for these translations. We don't say that enough. Mm-hmm. Um. Shingo basically blamed this on, you know, because of his stupid-ass toy doy darts. He had to be part of this bullshit match match in Osaka. He's like, you're not needed Berserk anymore. You're not needed as a wrestler either. Everybody knows it. And he's like, this is the real Berserk and the real war is starting. We'll get... So so basically what what Tagagi is saying, and this makes kind of... This makes a kind of sense, is this... Is kicking out doy is kind of breaking off the last of the real connection to Mad Blanky, you know? Because now you look at who was in Mad Blanky when it became Berserk. You've mm-hmm. lost Yamato, who was the leader, of course. You've lost Doi, who was the number two. You've lost... Um, God, who else? You've lost, you've lost Naoki, really. I mean, Naoki's not around anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Naoki wasn't in Mad Blanky, though. We haven't lost yeah. him. He yeah, saves no. now. Naoki wasn't in Mad Blanky. All right, well, but you've lost the top two guys from Mad Blanky. Um, you know, you still have Kong and you still have um, Mondai Ryu, but like, you know, they're, they're side characters. It's not, they're not the important thing. And now the, the focus of Berserk is on guys who were never in Mad Blanky. The focus of Berserk is now Shingo, T-Hawk, Lindemann, you know? And it feels like a new heel unit now instead of feeling like Mad Blanky Part 2. So that makes, that makes a kind of sense. But, um... Definitely, though, what I will say is that this makes me happy because it kind of proves me wrong when I was when I was kind of angry at Verzert recruiting T-Hawk and Lindemann, and I was like, oh, great, Verzert's going to be overpowered again. Cool. And then Doi being taken out of the equation, and Verzert 
feeling like a new unit for like maybe the first time since they formed actually like yeah. really feeling like a new unit as in you know not just Mad Blanky and friends in a way it kind of mirrors the what happened with Mad Blanky where when they first formed they kind of felt like Blood War the end of Blood Warriors part 2 because it was the same That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the same people yeah. and then after the first year when you have Tozawa leaving and getting replaced by Yamato and Doi it was just kind of a it felt like a totally new unit finally. Yes. So yeah, and I actually I was gonna say the one guy involved in that doy, but yes. uh, the the thing that I really think that this does is that this to me ends the lineage of warriors, blood warriors, and Matt Blanky. That lineage is now to me completely done, and this is like a heel unit that is really in Shingo Takaki's character. Like this is his unit. Like this isn't like. Mad Blanky always had, like, this level of coolness about it that you, you don't have a Berserk. Berserk gets more genuine heel heat than Mad Blanky really ever did. And I think this is actually... Getting Doi and out of there, I think this is actually going to be the best thing for T-Hawk's future. Cause now T-Hawk right, because now T-Hawk is... is number two. And, and yeah. I, I like T-Hawk kind of, like, kind of on the microphone after he turned on Doi. Like, he, like he's always known as kind of not being a good mic guy, but what he was his confidence in the way he was there, like, he actually felt comfortable on the microphone for maybe one of the first times in his career, to me. Yeah. Like, like I thought it was noticeable. So, I'm excited about this. Uh, when Linda Man and uh, T-Hawk joined, I kind of was like, okay, this is a really big unit. They're going to need to cut some weight. And I didn't think Katoka was going to be some of that weight, but it. I think now that, it, sadly, with where Naoki's probably just on the Arkin show kind of plan right now that it's probably that you're probably going to have these six guys and I think that it's still you you have your lost posts and Kong and Mondai Ryu you have a couple pretty good combinations for twin gate teams you have a young guy for the brave gate and then you have a couple legitimate dream gate challengers so I think it's a really solid unit now I I agree and I think it's totally in a different image now it's in Shingo's image like you were saying it's a more and it's also got like a young feeling to it now with T Hawk and Linda Man, and you know, like you were saying, with with the unit drawing real heel heat, the crowd really does not like T Hawk, which is you know, I mean, he he works as a heel because the crowd just does not like him. So T Hawk is the number two to Shingo. This is a heel unit now. This is not a cool heel unit. These are unlikable people that the crowd does not like. Uh, so I'm behind. <laughs> I'm behind. Res- I mean, I'm behind the new Berserk. It feels good. I'm I'm behind I'm I'm behind anything any attempt at correcting the the mistakes of the past that have wronged my my bird son. <laughs> so. it, it's going to be uh, interesting. Uh, the only person that I knew of that still kind of had like a face reaction was Mondai Ryu, and I haven't seen like his salt fans in the longest time. So mm. yeah, I mean he really hasn't been used that much lately either. So. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool, it's a cool unit. So let's mm-hmm. give it up for the new I reserve. really talked about the match. Oh yeah. Go, you can talk about the match. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I've, um, I have talked about the match actually at length, um, in my review for voices of wrestling. So go read that. Yes. There you go. I mean, that's fine. We, 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 we can read, go to no, voicewrestling.com. You, you don't have to read it. No, 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 no. Um, okay. no, just what I wanted to say is that. This, 
to me was in a different it, it for to me it was different from Berserk, Monster Express, Dio Hearts, and that it was um, take Dio Hearts out of the equation, and you really get two units that have a lot more bad blood between each other. Oh yeah, because you don't have Dio Hearts to play kind of buffer between the two, and so you have that hatred between Shingo and Tozawa, Shingo and Yoshino between um, Shingo and Shachi, between Yoshino and Yashi, Yoshino and Doi, uh, between Shimizu and T-Hawk. So many stories intertwining in this one, you know? And um, kind of bridging, quote-unquote bridging the gap. Um, T-Hawk, you know, completely changed. Like, fuck, like the fucking, oh my goodness, uh, poor Mr. Nakagawa. Oh, jeez. Okay, so yeah. Nakagawa trying to do his freaking job and trying to keep Berserk from unmasking Chachi eats one of the most brutal BT bombs I've ever seen Seahawk hit. Like, maybe it's because Nakagawa probably weighs like 60 pounds soaking wet. But, Jesus Christ, that made me cringe. Homeboy got spiked. He- <laughs> Mike... Uh, he did. I know I like saying spiked when someone takes a really bad bump, but he got yeah. rocked. Like, he got wrecked, is what you... <laughs> I think is the word you're looking for. Um, but yeah, no, T-Hawk, I think, this is the direction that he needs to go in. Like, I'm not going to say that I want him to, like, kick Mr. Nakagawa's ass in every match, but I kind of want him to do that. Like... He should, like, he should do that. People already don't like him, so make, you know, at least get that reaction. Um, and I know, you know, it's a, it's a shame that Case isn't here today because I know that he wanted to kind of write odes and sonnets to the spot where Yoshino threw himself in the way of a pumping bomber to protect Tozawa. That was the epitome of Monster Express's core and ethos right there. Being a friend, taking the pumping bomber with arms wide stretch, saying, come at me, bro, and just that getting... Was, honestly, that was honestly beautiful. Yeah. Like, that was just... I don't know. And this is what I... Okay, this is what I mean when I get into this debate of, like, is pro wrestling art? Because if you can tell a story as good as there was in this match, I think you have the right to call yourself... And like not to call yourself an artist, but I think you have the right to call this kind of match art because of the storytelling that was going on in it and Yoshino throwing himself in front of that in front of Tozawa and taking that pumping bomber for him, for me that was art. And he had like other like storylines like the whole like Sachi like not never backing down. Like he was always sprinting back to the ring when he got revived. He always was going right at it and he was able to get a couple uh, flash pens like that was it really kind of showed like the style of all like uh, it really kind of showed monster express at its best i felt like at least this evolution of monster express like yet you, you had big r doing the shot put slam to fools you had a lot of just good interactions with it that i think it was a really strong match for a unit that kind of has been on the sidelines after all the gaijin left i feel like this was like kind of it getting back to its core 
and going out in a way that it should go out and not yeah, just and, and yeah mm-mm, absolutely I'm, and I like think... like i said yeah oh I just, go ahead I keep going you can keep okay. talk, if you can keep talking about the match go ahead i want to talk about monster express the unit okay you can so, go, go ahead well you can kind of segue into that i think after because what i wanted to say is that it's something that i said in my review but i really want to emphasize that because i think that was the core story of the match and that was what does it mean to be a unit because for Zerg, they're powerful, they're mean, they're brutal, they're bloodthirsty, whatever you want to call them. But as a unit, they, you know, kind of kind of understandable since they're heels. They never give the impression of caring about each other. They never give the impression of fighting for the good of the unit. They are out for themselves. Monster Express was based on the concept of looking out for each other and protecting your friends and taking, you know, caring for your friends and fighting for your friends. And it was about that. To me, it was about which of these, you know, not which of these two concepts is the strongest because I feel like that's a given, but it was a story of that to me. It was a story of what does it mean to be a unit? Like Yoshino throwing himself in front of Tozawa and taking the pumping bomber emphasized that for me. But, and I don't really know how to, I have a lot of feelings, okay? <laughs> um, I, I don't really know how to put it into words, but it really felt like that was the, the main kind of story about Berserk, big, mean bullies fighting for a common goal, which is to destroy this unit, but not fighting together i mean fighting yes fighting together but not fighting together you know what i mean um and then monster express really fighting for each other and, yeah. yeah so so monster express um we touched on a little bit there their, their legacy is a unit i think they're going to be remembered as a solid baby face unit they're not going to be remembered as an all-time great or anything but they're going to be remembered as a unit that was able to adjust to some big losses with the some that were unexpected, but, you know the the, the for, losing the foreigners Ricochet and uh and Uha, some that were storyline caused with Shingo leaving to form Berserk, and then replacing him with T Hawk and later Shimizu. Um, I think they they lasted longer than people might have expected with all those losses. They um they were always a fun unit, you know, even when they weren't being focused on, they never felt like. They never felt like Tribe Vanguard feels now, where they just feel like, what's the point of this? Why are they even here? They always felt like they, you know, um, had a reason to exist, kind of, I guess. And they always had some charismatic stars at the top, you know, Ishino and Tozawa. And I think they'll be remembered as a, as a pretty solid unit. Yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of, like, little, like, interesting little quirks and things about the unit that kind of that they kind of etched into Dragon Gate history. I mean, having the first ever foreigner to hold the Dream Gate with, with Ricochet, with the uh, first foreigner versus foreigner Dream Gate match with Ricochet and Uha, and it really, in a way, and, and this might be me going out on a limb a little bit, it kind of, for someone that has been around for as long as he has, this was the unit that I feel like really cemented Yoshino as his own man. Because before this, it was always him and Doi and kind of how they've always interacted, their, their, uh, their on-again, on-again, off-again friendship. But this one was where he had 
two pretty strong Dreamgate reigns, and he was always kind of he was always kind of seen. Maybe I won't say that he was always seen as the leader of the unit, but it was always like he. This was the unit that I felt like kind of made him his star, and it even made Sachi's career. You know, I mean, yes, Sachi was rescued from this because he he like like world. He was okay in World One International, but really like his career was really turned around by this unit. So like we have that. I mean, re- and being the focus of the Berserk split and everything, you know. Yeah. And, and, and like talking about a unit that's like never really on the sidelines. I mean, it, the triangle reign with uh, Tozawa, Yoshino, and T Hawk is one of the longest in Dragon Gate history. The uh, the Hulk, uh, not Hulk, sorry, the Shingo and Tozawa tag team reign was before the uh, last Yamadoi reign was considered one of the longest and most successful ones in history as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that, like, it made its mark in its time, and really, it survived probably nine months longer than I think anyone really thought it would. I I feel like that after the Shingo defecting, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be the death knell, but they still put on a good, they still put on good matches, and as Jules was saying, like, they really, they, they, they kept on showing what it was to be a unit, and they were able to stave off death, and in that three-way unit disbands match when everyone probably was like, okay, Monster Express has taken all these hits, Dia Hearts is younger, Monster Express is going to lose. So, I mean, I think that it's it's an interesting unit. I don't think it's... It might be one of my top five face units in Dragon Gate history, but I know for other people, they might put it otherwise with their tastes and wrestlers. But I, I, I it left its mark. It kind of made its own like little Monster Express era. I would think in Dragon Gate. So yeah, that was Monster Express. Um, you don't have any other thoughts on the unit as a whole, Jules? I'm sad. <laughs> That's your thought. You're sad. Um. Uh, ah. <laughs> I. I just feel sad that. Shachi is left without a home. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be the one in the shuffle. That's going to be interesting to see what happens with. Yeah. No, the thing is that I never know what to say about units right after they disband. I remember when we talked about DL Hearts on this very podcast, when they disbanded, I didn't really have anything to say either, just because I'm just, like, sad. (laughs) for the people involved and kind of, and I know that I, I'm, I'm someone who processes emotions very differently than a lot of people, but it just takes me some time to be able to reflect on stuff like that. But I think I liked Monster Express maybe more than a lot of people who were ready to see them disband. A lot of people throwing snark at them and everything like that. I liked Monster Express because, you know, I am a big vanilla baby and I love their concept and and I'm also really fucking sad about Bedar. Because losing two units in one year is fucking rough, my man. Yeah, that is that. He has to feel like a cursed man, basically, like me and techno, like me and podcasting technology. <laughs> he, yeah, I can't think of anyone in really in recent history that has lost in that sort of way. Like, two units in that way in a year. One that he talked his way into it, and then this mm. one. So, yeah. 
And I kind of, I, I do want to talk about Bedar a little bit because I, I came to a, a realization. <laughs> Words are hard. I came to a real realization. Yes, thank you, John. Um, about him, like yesterday, I think, and I did want to touch on that a little bit, but I'll wait until you guys have said everything you have to say. Um, you you can go ahead, Joel. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so, I was thinking. Um, Rereading a few things from King of Gate and stuff like that, and Yamato talking to Shimizu after the King of Gate final, and you know, talking about how he's uh, a part of the new generation, and I realized something. And I'm going to purposely leave out uh, Ishida and Yamamura because they debuted much later, I mean, m- not much later in the grand scheme of things, but they debuted later. And I realized that Shimizu is the only guy in what we really consider the new generation that has no past association with the millennials. That's right, yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of afraid that, not that it, again, I don't think that's the right word, but I can't think of anything better to, 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 to use right now. I'm kind of afraid that it is hurting him or going to hurt him in some way in that, all the storylines regarding the new generation right now are all because of the ties these people had in the millennials. You know, Ata and Linda, uh, T-Hawk and Linda together in Berserk, um, Kotoka, who was, you know, supposed to be reunited with T-Hawk, but that obviously didn't fucking happen. Ugh! Why does Shima take everything away from me? (laughs) It's... It, and it's one of those things that, like, he had such a different, like, rise of his career in comparison Absolutely. to everyone else yeah. that, like, with, I always get my generation count wrong with this, but I think that's, they're technically fifth gen dragon system. Uh, John probably could correct me if I'm wrong on this, but. Uh, well, we can go over them right now, just to be sure. Because fourth gen is all the uh, former, all the former vet- team veterans, second gen, Jimmy's. Third gym would be uh, T2P into TX. Fourth, yeah, fifth, fifth gen. At least by the way I kind of count it. Yeah. What would you count? What would you call fourth gen then? Uh, Dragon Gate Trueborns. See, I would do third. I would I would do third gen T2P, fourth gen Torimon X, fifth gen Dragon Gate Trueborns, and then sixth gen is what I would call this. Yeah, I I think I'd go with that too. I agree with you. So sixth gen. Because Torimon X does deserve their own gen. I mean, otherwise. Kagatora would be in the same generation as like, you know, Doi, which I think he you should separate that a little bit. So, and, and then it's interesting when you think about Naoki kind of writing that line there between the yes. two, right? And you always you always have guys. Naoki's like that, busy writing other things right like, now. <laughs> like in the the first and you know second and third gen had Ryu Saito, who kind of wrote that line. Like first and the second had like Kanda and Susumu or well. Yeah, kind of condensed to sumo. Mm-hmm. So there's always guys riding the line, basically. But um, but so, yeah. But like, he's going to be the interesting person because really, like, he went on his own path. I mean, he kind of stayed in the lower cards with Fuji Heya more than what happened with T Hawk and Ada. And then he kind of that they used Diaharts kind of start elevating him. And then there was some of his own mistakes, some of him being lost in the shuffle. And then really. When he, really him coming over to Monster Express was kind of rebuilding him with the uh, Twin Gate reign with his finalist 
position at King of Gate. So I, he might be the X factor of what happens to these units. Mm. Mm -mm. So there's a lot of it's going to be an interesting few weeks. I, I don't think anything is really going to shake out until next cork. And at least from what yeah. from what Doi said, like he's not making any decisions until then. So I feel like that really after uh, really really after the pay per view in cork and is when we're finally going to see the fallout from this and. I don't know. It's going to be that's that's November tenth, by the way. Yeah. So, so, so it's almost a full month of this, and mm -hmm. I don't know how many more tapings they have for this month. So, I, it's going yeah, to be, it's going to be um, interesting. There's so a... they, there's the oh are there any more tapings? Oh there's, yeah, there's Kobe Sample Hall on the 29th. I think that's the only other taping. I don't think they're not taping Kyoto, so it's just it's just yeah. Kobe Sambo Hall. So yeah, Kobe Sambo Hall on the 29th is the only other taping this month, so, I believe. Yeah, and then Gate of Destiny. Yeah, and then but, Gate yeah, of Destiny. Um, I don't know. I just had that realization about Shimizu and how he kind of had to carve out his own path, um, instead of being able to quote unquote rely on any past association with the millennials the way that the ex-millennials kind of have. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting to think how he went from Ryo Tsushimizu to, to Bedar. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of afraid that he's going to get lost in the shuffle with so much happening with the millennials, but and I hope not because he doesn't deserve this because he's had such a great year. Yeah, and I, I know I mentioned this on our first take. I think that you, we also have to consider the fact that Fuda has been a, a young boy for a while. I think Fuda, it might be about time for him to join a unit. So, there. Yeah, I, I mean, he's. He debuted, been, he debuted six months ago. I mean, they have two other young guys in exhibitions, so, I mean. I mm. think. And they didn't have. A, and neither Ishida or. Yamamura yeah, spent that long as young as young boys, so it's going to be interesting. I, I I have my own theories and my own dreams of how the units are going to shake out, but there's a lot of like interesting pieces in this pot today. Like I, there's always going to be the whole Doi and Yoshino thing. We have Shimizu, who really it, it's about time for him to be a little bit higher up on the t on the pole of a unit, and then then Katoka now is a face, which is still weird jimmy katoka i still think might happen and yeah <laughs> see i don't see i, I people asked us this question i know at this point every time we speculate about what the next unit's going to be we end up being so wrong that i'm kind i'm kind of a little tired of doing it it's like the next unit we're going to find out in less than a month now just let them tell us basically is my is the attitude i get it's fun to speculate i guess but like i'm now reached the point where it's like i have no idea what they're going to do like I had, I didn't see these Doi and Katoka turns coming, so whatever they're gonna do, they're gonna well, do. And... Uh, <laughs> right now, can't right now you can't really say that either of them has completed a turn. True, because Doi is still going on about like being your one man wrecking crew or something like that, and uh, Katoka, you know, is still wearing his face pants and blade, blaying, blaying, whatever, and. I would like to see them kind of as a more tweener duo, something like that. Um, I don't know, really. I just, I just wonder whether both of them will complete the turn. 
or if, you know, there's something that's going to happen. Something else. Yeah. I, I mean, if we're going to talk about tweeners, Big R could easily be a tweener. Like... That he be- could be really tired of losing... Mm-hmm. Of, of, like, losing everything. Like, lo- losing his unit, losing his title, losing King of Gate, losing another unit. Like, he's like, fuck this shit, man. I'm tired. Don't think he hasn't lost lately is his tight, so he's doing well on that front. That is true. Please keep Big R's tights in your prayers. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's so soon. And really, it seems like everything has been so Tozawa-focused that everything will kind of fall into place at, at the next, will, will fall in place then at, Ga- at the next Gate Destiny. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It's I don't remember having this much speculation over pat uh, over like unit breakups in the last few years. Hmm. Mm. So I guess we'll see what happens. Basically, yeah. that's basically that's basically my um, the way I'm looking at it right now. And you know, I'm totally okay with it being. Um, you know, I'm totally okay with just waiting and seeing what Dragon Gate does. Just how I feel now. Whatever happens, we'll always have sailing. Oh the yes, tra- sailing. Fantasy- <laughs> sailing. Uh, uh, sh- sh- should we talk about sailing? I mean, there might be some people who aren't familiar with my crazy <laughs> fever fever dream I had during Kobe Hall this year. Go Knock ahead. yourself out, Michael. Go ahead. Okay, so this happened on Twitter, like right before the main event at Kobe World. Jules and I were just, we we have a tendency of tweeting back and forth interesting photos of Dragon Gate guys in their formal wear. And there was a photo of, uh, of, of T-Hawk, yes, uh, during, uh, during the, uh, the uh, contract signing the night before where he was wearing a double-breasted suit. And I think, I don't know which one of us was the first one to bring up that he looked like a ship captain, but... I, I don't know. I think it was me, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I was really sleep-deprived then, but because this was all happening like at 5 a.m., and I basically decided, basically decided that he should become a yacht captain and that he was going to start his own pirate-themed uh, unit that was going to have Big R Shimizu as the big skipper. And now that's never going to happen unless Yoshino decides to retire to a yacht and then rehire Big Skip Shimizu as his uh, skipper. So that, that, that's sailing. It, its theme song is Sailing by Christopher Cross. That's all y'all need okay. to know. But what about Beyond the Sea? Ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Hmm. This could be like Yoshino and Doi, too. Like... Okay, I'm getting... <laughs> <laughs> There's so many options. But I, I think the big thing, like, get, getting away from sailing for a second, the big thing I feel like that can really even be talked about is when Doi turns face and he naturally always gravitates back towards Yoshino. I'm wondering if that's going to happen. Love never dies. <laughs> because because it seems like each time he has turned face, like at least in recent memory, it goes from he go he at the end of Muscle Outlaws they start World One as a face, and then at the end of the Junction Three Warriors he become they restart World re, Sorry, do World One again. World One International. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think we'll see another World One, but I I don't know about Doi as a face after what has happened before. 
so um yeah the the toys of face thing is interesting um so so let's compare it real quick yeah i mean that's kind of what you're doing already but the world one the world one (laughs) run easy enough easy enough for you to say um is say that 10 times fast yes that was a huge disappointment at the time i mean he just didn't have he's not an ace okay he is not a baby face ace he never will be so it was forcing with forcing him to be something he's not with these increasingly ridiculous like giant fucking robes he was wearing the robes were great though like that was the best thing about doy as a face as oh face my champion. god I was like, what the fuck? Is he, was he, like, getting stoned and, like, coming up with, I mean, what can we put on the robe this week? The, it was the, just so, like, ridiculous. The, uh, the best one, and, like, everyone who thinks, like, Doi right now has great entrance robes, you really should do a Google image search of Doi Dreamgate. Because the best one in my mind was this one that had, like, feathers up and down and was, like, red and gold. And it was was just, this the Akibono, the Akibono match? Yes, it's the Akibono okay. match, which it might yeah. be one of the worst Dreamgate matches of all time. <laughs> In Which okay, opinion. let's let's not give Joy all the blame there. I mean, it's fucking Akibono, but they, um, they did have an obsession with Akibono. Yes, um, but yeah, so so the, so, I mean, his title reign it produced some good matches. It's just the as a babyface oh, ace yeah, champion, yeah, the last one especially. As a babyface ace champion, you just never felt like you were rooting for him. You know, you always felt like you were rooting for his opponent. I don't know. Yeah, like Koji uh, Kanemoto, like that match, like I was like, well, this match is probably my favorite match of his title reign, but I never felt like I was cheering for him. Yeah, it's just really weird, and like the entire reign just didn't work, okay? And then, so they turn him back heel pretty soon after that reign, like a, a, less than a year later, right? I believe. Oh, yeah, because after that, like, that was a really Yoshino. long. Yeah, it was Yoshino, and that was a really long title reign. Like that. Yeah, it was like. It was like 18 months. It was 18 months. He had like the most defenses up until Shima's monster reign, but it was yeah. just long and it went on forever. I made a mention earlier about how this like Summer Adventure Tag League lost a lot of my... I, I kind of was a little bit less interested. The Doi Tal reign almost killed my love of Dragon Gate. It was... Yeah, it just, it just went on forever. I mean, I will say the very... Towards the end of it, it got a little better and like... When you had that, like, um, the late 2009 period where it was, like, the unit, the Generation War kind of mm-hmm. broke out. That that was an interesting period, and Dory kind of worked in that moment as, like, this, um, you know, the symbol of, the, of that generation as champion. But I just love, I, I can't, I think it was, like, what's his name? Um, fuck. Mayutu Kishiwata. He shows up, and announces he's the next challenger and he's like his quote was like it feels like doi's been champion for nine thousand years <laughs> like just so he's like just dead pans like and just wants to take the belt off him but he, he failed of course but then yamato succeeded pretty not long after that and then yoshino won the belt from yamato and then doi turned on yoshino because you again. know Yes, one of no. That well, was, not again. Was that, that the was first the first time? one. That was the first. Yeah, that time. was the first time, right? Doi turned on Yoshino and jo- formed Team Doi, which then became Blood Warriors, and then the rest is history, I guess. So then, okay, so that was the first babyface run. The next, ba- well, not the first because he was also babyface way back in the day. Second Doi. I don't even Ooh, know. Oh, baby, Ooh. that's really not even worth mentioning. He's so different from that. There was baseball I mean, pants and that fluffy fuzzy hair. But it was baseball, yeah. John. It was great. It was baseball. <laughs> uh, fucking love it. Before that, we go, he had that, 
Doi, as second Doi, had like the cutest like baby fat cheeks. I will say when Yashi came back and wouldn't stop calling him second Doi, I laughed. <laughs> the, um, it, that's... <laughs> I, I I think that like the, the thing about second Doi that really was so funny to me was that like he's tangentially related to a baseball player so ultimo was like oh well i'm best i guess you're a baseball gimmick now i guess that's what you're doing and, and then no, like, you can tell Doi had no interest yeah and then like later on like during that like championship reign was when he fought uh one of the uh uh the nippon baseball league's uh uh mascots like he like threw a ball and like he gave a uh, mascot the bakatari sliding kick like <laughs> There was a T-shirt made that Alan Farrell has that's amazing. Yes, I've, I've heard about. I've seen this T-shirt too. Um, okay, so that's Doi's first face run. His second run was the one we just talked about the the title run. The third run, um, the World One International run. After Blood Warriors broke up, he spent about a year teaming with Yoshino again in World One International. Now, the unit was a, pretty much a failure. The unit felt like, you know, no one really wanted to see World 1 again after World 1 lasted forever to begin with, you know, and had felt pretty stale by the end. And just like the unit never really clicked for a lot of people. But with that said, I didn't mind Doi as a face in this unit. And I I might be the one person willing to defend that face from because he he felt like he had enough of an edge still. You know, he used to make a lot of he still kind of sounded like a kind of a punk and he made a lot of comments about his ass. At the time. Oh yeah, that's right. That yeah. Was the big thing, which is at, and like, it was a fun run. I really have no complaints about that one year. He spends a face when he, when he turned back heel to join my blankie, I wasn't really that surprised because you know. he's always felt more comfortable as a heel anyway. But that face run, if I guess my point with him as a face again, if it's more like the world one international run than the world one run, I think he'll be fine. You know what I really miss? Mm. What do you really miss, Jules? The hot pink cheetah print trunks. <laughs> oh, I miss them. World One International had a style. Yeah, like I, I, I still think as a unit they were a dismal failure, but I, I, but that hot pink, John. Highlighter you have pink. To enjoy the little things in life. <laughs> and I. Th- and going with what you're saying, John, I think one of the reasons why that one wasn't as disastrous was Doi was never really the focal point of World War One International. Like, World War One International was originally kind of Pac's unit. It was, like, Pac and Ricochet, and, like, their two friends that were, like, with World One. Like, to me, like, and then you lost Pac, and then the unit was already pretty much dead. So, he never really was the focus. And I think, and I've talked about this on Twitter, if Doi... With how the current face status is in Drangate, I don't see Doi ever really being, at least in this run, being a main, being like the face. Like he's, no. like Yamato. He, should, he, he shouldn't. Yamato's number one, and then, and, and then arguably either Yoshino or Shima. Yoshino or Shima would be number I two, say three. Yoshino, but... Yeah, and, and then you have like, and you have like Susumu, like that. After that, that's willing. That's where I'm willing to, to slot Doi in. I guess, like, yeah. my hesitation because, is... Oh, sorry, mm, go ahead. No, no, continue, please. I, I guess my, my hesita- hesitation is if he forms the unit with Yoshino, and mm. they're naturally going to be paired, so he's going to be elevated, but if it's a unit that he's clearly the number two, I think he's fine. Yeah. Yes, I agree. The thing, the thing about Doi is 
he's sorry. He's a great wrestler, but he's not a great enough wrestler to be in the number one spot in any situation, I think. And I think you you know, relying on performance, not only on character but on wrestling, you have to you have to think about that when you're thinking about who you're gonna slot in the first spot of a unit. You know? You have Shingo in Berserk, you have Susumu in the uh, with the Jimmies. Um, you have uh, what Yamato? I was like, I forgot his name for a second. Sorry about that. You have Yamato, you know, in Tribe Vanguard. But if you're going to form a new unit with Doi, I don't think you can conceivably put him in the number one spot just because, as a pure wrestler, not necessarily character, no offense, I don't think he's cut out for that. He's really not. Like, he's like, he's an amazing wrestler. He's probably the best tag team wrestler in Dragon Gate. Like, oh, yeah. you could put with anyone in a tag team, and he, he is able to bring the best out of anyone. But he's not cut out, like, I mean, I think it's tested and true that he's not cut out to be alone at the top. And I think that's what his past face rings really have showed us. Like, he's good when he's not the focus, when he is the... Uh, when he is like the second person in a twin gate team or a third yeah. on the triangle gate, he's he's perfectly fine. It's just don't put the weight of the company on his shoulders, or you'll get two thousand and nine yeah. again. Or, or the weight of a unit. <laughs> True. Because, because I like this is not a jab towards Doi at all. Like, because I think he's, I think he's an amazing support player in any situation that you put him in. I think. That's what he's really, really good at, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there is nothing wrong with that. But I, th- I think he's just not as good as Yoshino or Shingo as a pure wrestler to be able to be the number one of a unit, and I think we know that by now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. But I still love him! I, I love I love him too. <laughs> you know something I just realized. This mm-hmm. means that Doi actually has to sign autographs because yeah, for the longest oh, time, the, for the longest like, time, the only place Doi would sign autographs is when they would do the yearly show in Nara. So he's actually like this will become a big thing because it was such a big thing when Yamato came back to signing yeah. autographs after Dead or Alive. Like unless you're in Nara, which I think is a pretty small town. Like you you didn't see a. Like, he had never was, like, out there after a show. Like, he was always being doy, being a jerk. So now he kind of, unless he's going to be this tweener, he's going to have to go back to the uh, autograph lines, which I think is kind of interesting. Might just be me. <laughs> that is pretty funny, actually. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, we probably should start wrapping this up, I mean. Do we have any more I, questions? Yeah, we can get into some questions. Okay. I mean, we... We've, we're almost at two hours, which is I I thought we were gonna have a short show, but especially you know, with especially I know, since our second take on the Kodakuen show was shorter I know. Than the first one. I know it's, it's amazing. Okay. It's okay, we had to get the sailing talk in in it, in here like at some point. Um, okay, so let's get some questions real quick. Not Brock at not Brock Junkie. I'm sorry, Brock. I don't know. I, I really yeah. like that guy, but I have no idea how to pronounce his username. Do you all think UT has any place in DG's future? Also, yes. what do you think? 
Also, what do you think of the best face joy matches and performances? My, I'll just answer the second one first. My favorite babyface joy match, uh, probably that match he had against, um, fuck, why am I blanking on his name? I, I hate remember when this happened. I remember I can mine. Picture, I can picture who it is in my head. I just can't, for some reason, I can't say his name. Um, the guy used to be in the Florida Brothers. Uh, Takuwasa. Awasa, yep. Be still my heart. Taku Awasa. Doi Awasa is probably my favorite Doi babyface match. I love that Dreamgate match. Even though it really had no reason to happen in the storyline. Hey, don't besmirch Awasa. You know how I feel about Tazawa Juku. Don't besmirch Awasa. Do I need to get my referee shirt right now? No, it's okay. I don't. I don't remember if it was on the first recording or the second one that we talked about um, liking random mid-carders getting Dreamgate shots. It might have been the first recording. But as far as a wacky mid-carder getting a title shot, I really enjoyed that. That was probably my favorite Doi babyface match. Um, Dang Do that... I think... Sorry. Why, what was, what was, I was yours? I say, I completely forgot about that one. Because I, I was going to say the Koji Kanemoto one. But I completely forgot about Awasa, which makes me feel really badass. Probably the number one Dozawa Juku Stan alive that I forgot about that. It was it, it was really good. Um, so yeah, let's go. Let's say let's. I'll say that one. Let's um, talk about UT now. Oh, what, UT. Well, what's your favorite? What's your favorite babyface toy match, Jules? Who me? Yeah. I don't have one. You don't have one. Okay. Right. <laughs> UT. Um, I think he's going to be a lost post for the rest of his career. I don't know really what else he's going to do. Why? <laughs> I, I, uh, this is, this makes me so fucking sad. Like, I mean, I actually, Al on the Rogue re- reply with that, where he's like, there's always a we need for another one. We are not making to Ah, jeez. UT. Like, the easy answer for me would say Lost Post, but, uh, and that's probably what's going to happen. I do think that there is the weird string theory universe where he somehow becomes a Bravegate challenger, but that's about it. Like, he could be in the Bravegate scene, but he is some, one of the most injury-prone guys they've had on top yeah, of his bad a, luck. That is his problem. Yeah. Um, okay, so Satoke said talk about the Dove Pro. I think we actually talked more than enough about Dove Pro during the course of... What was the question? Just That was it. Just talk about the Dove Pro. That's not um, even really a question. I love Dove Pro. They're really cool. They play cool music during their matches. Um, they have strippers. I mean, who doesn't love strippers? Uh, and Naoki's really happy when he wrestles there. Yes. Like, happier, like, this is going to sound so bad, me saying this on a Dragon Gate podcast, but happier than I've seen him in Dragon Gate, like, for the past year. It's basically true, so. He, and, wait, wait, what? I was going to say, and those strippers are former Dragon Gate guys. And the strippers are f- former Dragon Gate guys, and, you know, Naoki actually, uh, not only, you know, got in on the stripper action, getting a little money shoved down his trunks as well, but he actually got his very own leopard print jacket which brings a little bit of tears to my eyes because that's adorable because he's matching with the Gingen boys now that the Gingen boys are the and that's Yohei and Kenshin Chicano 
And no, yeah, I love Dove Pro. I, I think it's one of the f- sleaziest promotions out there in like all of the world. They make tape like maybe once a century. Um, their owner is most likely on several kinds of drugs. Most likely. <laughs> is, 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 is this that guy that like you, you tweeted a photo? Is like that guy is now my favorite. Uh, Gunso, the one that um, we call KZ on hard drugs. Oh, I was thinking about the dancing guy. Sorry. The dancing guy? Oh, Ray Paloma. Yeah, that guy. He he. Uh, Taguchi's long lost father. He, he's my boy. He. I have never watched a, a Dove Pro match, but I've decided he's my favorite. Ray Paloma. Ray Paloma is their champion. He's like, I think he's also a stripper or something like that. Um, he tends to often end matches in like his underwear. Like, literally removing, like, his elbow pads, his shoes, his socks, and just remaining in, like, his underwear. Um, I love him. He's, like, my, my weird, wacky father. He's, like, Taguchi on drugs, basically. And I love him. And I, I, I yeah, and I love the Ginyan boys. And, oh, they have this guy who's really good who's called Hayata. Um who's actually a tag team champion in, in Freedoms right now with uh, Yuya Susumu, another Susumu. Um, and, yeah, no, um, I I would recommend to just check them out for themselves on the award-winning Real Hero Archive. Um, Is a the show f- featuring Naoki Tanizaki, Brother Yashi, Jun Kasai, and Buffalo in the main event. Um against Gunso and Kabuki Kid because Gunso thought it was somehow a good idea to threaten Jun Kasai with a chair. Drugs, they do that to you, man. <laughs> yeah, no, these are my thoughts on Dove Pro. I think Dove Pro is a really, really cool promotion, really sleazy. If you like wacky sleazeballs wrestling to the sounds of the prodigy playing in the background, you're going to love Dove Pro. And who doesn't? Okay. Um, uh, next question at SMFK24. Um, what's your pick for the two teams in the Dory Darts match? Is Okada the biggest draw in wrestling this year? No, he is not, but we're not going to go into further on that think, because it's a Dragon Gate podcast. I don't know why we would mention. I already told him, actually, I don't know why we would talk about Okada on a wrestling pod, on a Dragon Gate podcast. Well, I mean, we do talk about, to be fair to him, we do we talk, talk about, about lots everything, of but I yes. really don't want to get into the Okada argument. I know. I mean, I listen. All, all I'm going to say on this is I listened to the Voices of Wrestling podcast this week. They made a. They made a compelling fact-based argument on why they think Okada is the biggest draw. I just think they they dismiss the idea of um, of the merchandise selling out of, out of hand too much, and they dismiss the idea that New Japan as a brand can be a draw too beyond individual wrestlers. But anyway, um, yeah, let's. I don't want to get into like a flame war with them or anything. I will yeah. say I still think Naito is a bigger draw. Anyway, the <laughs> The special six-man tag team match. Um, when is that going to be decided, by the way? Because the next Kodak win is after Gate of Destiny. Well, I think they're going to do it the same day. Nice. Same day off? Yeah. I mean, it could be it could be Kobe Sambo, too. But yeah. I would think it's going to be the day It would off. be interesting if they do it like at the top of the show on Gate of Destiny. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. But it's possible it's Kobe Sambo. Um very quickly, what if I was going to if I was going to ring Doi, rig Dory Darts and do it, what would be my pick? I would do, I would do Tozawa, Hulk, and Shingo against Doi, 
um, Yoshino and Yamato. That would be my pick. Okay. That was actually going to be exactly my pick, so I'm going to do something different. <laughs> uh, I would say Tozawa, Doi, and Yoshino versus Hulk, Yamato, and Shingo, just because I think that team will hate each other so much. It will be so great having to shove Shingo on a tag team with Hulk. I mean, Shingo hates everyone in that match anyway, so... Yeah, but he, I think he hates them the most, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. See, I've been turning this in my head for, like, ever since it's been announced, and I have so many ideas of what I want. Like, I think one of my earliest picks for this was... I think it was... Doi, Yoshino, and Yamato versus Hulk, Shingo, and Tozawa. I think that's what I... The one thing that I didn't want was for them to reunite the Verso trio. Yeah. Like, if that happens, I mean... I'm gonna have to call bullshit. Um, but I don't know, like, it is so hard to predict. Anything anything can happen. That's the fun of Doi Darts. It's fucking Doi Darts. Yes, do- <laughs> the Doi Darts are absolute. <laughs> I know, uh, I as, he, know. as he's fond of saying. I don't know. I, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with that. Um, Doi, Doi Yoshino Yamato versus Shingo Hulk Tozawa. Yeah. Um, okay. Something he did. Like he did then ask a follow-up question: Which teams have been your guys' favorite this year? Twin and Triangle. Twin. I would go with. I would have to go with. I'd have to go with. Uh, Suzumu and Kagatora, they've been awesome. I mean, they've been I mean, really, really, really awesome. I don't, I don't know who, like, I, they, they have they been in a bad Twin Gate match all year since they won the belts? Or a bad tag match at all? I mean, yeah. the, the Jimmy's on Jimmy's violence match was probably the, the highlight of the summer. <laughs> the summer on summer, that was the highlight <laughs> of Summer Adventure Tag League, I think. <laughs> Okay, this just this just I'm sorry that I'm sorry to segue into something else again. Just real quick, this reminds me of uh, my friend and friend of the I think friend of the podcast, uh, Dolazo Dan on Twitter, uh, saying that he was excited for the unit disbands match because of hot Shingo on Chachi action. <laughs> I, 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 are you okay? That just broke me because that. That, that that's amazing. I did not see that tweet, but that's that might be my tweet of the year right there. Oh which gosh. I, which obviously, you know, being kind of in my my Pokemon craze right now with the new games coming out, obviously made me think of the fa- something that that's become kind of infamous in Pokemon fandom, which is um, Hot Skitty on Wailord action, which is pretty fitting for Shingo and Chachi, weirdly enough. But it, it it's kind of I don't know if you guys know what that is. Yeah, I'm not that deep into Pokemon fandom other than Rowlet has a bow tie. Okay, John, do you know what uh, Hot Skitty on Wailord action is? I have no idea, no. Okay, so basically, Skitty is like a little kitty cat Pokemon. Wailord is a giant fucking whale. And they're uh, compatible um, for breeding together. Which is really strange. <laughs> okay. So that coined the term hot skitty on Wailord action 
which in turn, you know, when, when Dan said hot, hot shingle on Chachi action just made me think of that because I'm not going to go too deep into it. But anyway, yeah, hot shingle on Chachi action really, really made me laugh. And I don't know why I said wait into that, actually. <laughs> I don't either, but it's fine. I can't. I, but I broke Mike, so I, I've I've achieved my goal for the day. <laughs> First it was the UT photos. Now it was this. Oh, hot shingle on Chachi. Ash. <laughs> you should. You should. Hey, John. You know what? This should be the title of the episode. Hot. Okay. You have to. You have to just send it to me again. Okay. If I remember. Um, um, so yeah. <laughs> what happened? Oh yeah. Favorite teams in Dragon Gate this year. Right. Oh, I didn't get to my Triangle Gate team. Hold on. Yes. So my Triangle Gate, my favorite Triangle Gate team is the Jimmies also. The Jimmies are the masters of the Twin and the Triangle. I know Case doesn't like it when they're in the Twin and the When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.